Welcome to The Fanboy and the Hater, a podcast about the best and worst in movies, TV, and pop culture. This is a Jimmy-sode, a mini-episode produced, hosted, and edited by Jim Harris. So the views and opinions expressed are all Jimmy's. Science fiction. As I've mentioned many times on this podcast, it's easily my favorite genre. In this short episode, I want to take a spoiler-free look at three works of science fiction by Alex Garland. If you don't know who that is, Alex Garland is a writer and filmmaker whose movies you may have seen or at least be familiar with. He did write the screenplays for several films, including 28 Days Later, Sunshine, Never Let Me Go, and Dread. However, in this episode, I'm focusing on the three things that he not only wrote, but also directed. And that includes two movies and one television series. Specifically, the movies are Ex Machina and Annihilation, and the television series is Devs. First up is Ex Machina, the 2014 science fiction psychological thriller starring Dom Hall Gleason, Alicia Vikander, Sonoya Musano, and Oscar Isaac. It's good to meet you, Nathan. It's good to meet you too, Caleb. Can we just get past the whole employer-employee thing? Cheers. In many ways, this building isn't a house. It's a research facility. I want to talk to you about the greatest scientific event in the history of man. Are you building an AI? So that's the setup and premise of Ex Machina. Dom Hall Gleason plays Caleb, a computer programmer at Blue Book, a Google-like high-tech company that has the world's dominant search engine, and he has won a contest to spend one week at the reclusive home of the company's CEO and founder, Nathan, played by Oscar Isaac, who is working on a top-secret artificial intelligence project. Ex Machina is also a great example of one of the other characteristics of Alex Garland's work, is that his science fiction really focuses a lot on the human dimension, meaning that the interpersonal interactions between the actors and their dialogue really form the crux of most of his works. So the science is there, kind of in the background, and in a lot of science fiction, the science is kind of not really the star of the show. But this movie is probably the best from a science perspective of the three things that I'm focusing on in this episode, because this is talking about artificial intelligence and the Turing test, which is the famous test in AI, where you're trying to determine whether or not a computer can pass as a human. If a Turing test is passed, the human tester can't tell that they're actually interacting with a computer. And a classic Turing test, named after Alan Turing, who came up with it in the 1950s, it's a test to determine whether or not a computer can exhibit intelligent behavior equivalent to or indistinguishable from that of a human. And a classic Turing test is actually a human tester who is interacting with two different, basically, conversationalists, usually through some type of a, what we would now call text messaging, a chat console, 
where you're basically interacting, asking a question, and then judging based on the responses that you get whether or not you're interacting with a computer or a human. So that's how a traditional, actual Turing test is performed. In this movie, it's a complete cheat, but they tell you that. So the tester, played by Dom Hall Gleason, is actually seeing that they are interacting with a computer. It's not a question about whether or not he's interacting with an artificial intelligence. Furthermore, the artificial intelligence is anthropomorphized as a human robotic life form. Ava, played by Alicia Vikander, looks like a woman. Most of her body is cybernetic, but her face, hands, and feet look human. So Dom Hall Gleason goes in knowing that this is not a real woman and is asked to basically perform a Turing test, have conversations with her to determine whether or not Ava is capable of original thought and consciousness despite knowing she is definitely artificial. Hello. Hi. I've never met anyone new before. Have you? None like you. She's incredible. The challenge is to show you that she's a robot and then see if you still feel she has consciousness. Do you want to be my friend? Of course. Will it be possible? Why would it not be? If you've never been outside this building, we could go together. Did you program her to flirt with me? Do you think about me? If you lie, I will know. No. Lie. Maybe she's pretending to like you. Well, why would she do that? Do you think I might be switched off? It's not up to me. Why is it up to anyone? The reason that this film probably works so well is it really just has four characters, but only three of them actually have lines. Sonoya Musano, who actually has a bigger role in the other two works, especially the third work I'm going to talk about, is in the movie, but she doesn't speak. So the other three actors, Dom Hall Gleason, Oscar Isaac, and Alicia Vikander, are the only other three actors in the movie. So it's a very intimate film because it really is focused just on these three actors interacting in a very enclosed space with Dom Hall Gleason as the tester, Alicia Vikander as the artificial intelligence, and Oscar Isaac as the megalomaniac CEO of the company and the creator of the AI that Dom Hall Gleason's character is testing. So the interpersonal dynamics and the psychological tension is really well done in this movie. I think in part because of that simplicity in terms of the setting, those three actors in an enclosed space. You shouldn't trust Nathan. You shouldn't trust anything he says. I think it's the next model that's going to be the real breakthrough. And what do you do with the old one? You have to help me. One day the AIs are going to look back on us. Upright apes, all set for extinction. Is it strange to have made something that hates you? What were you doing with Ava? 
Ex Machina is by far my favorite of the three works that I'm discussing in this episode. It also got the most award recognition, and rightfully so. The screenplay was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, and it won an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. And this movie does have some good visually stunning cinematography, and the writing is very crisp. It is definitely a solid overall film, a very good piece of science fiction, and like a lot of Alex Garland's work, it really does focus a lot more on sort of a psychological aspect and a psychological thriller aspect, and this movie really works well on all of those levels. So that wraps up my spoiler-free thoughts about Ex Machina, the first of the three Alex Garland science fiction works that I'm discussing in this episode. I highly recommend Ex Machina. I wish I could say the same about the next one, and that is Annihilation, the 2018 science fiction psychological horror film, which had a great cast, including Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Gina Rodriguez, Tessa Thompson, and Oscar Isaac. Can you describe its form? No. Start from the beginning. What do you think I do when you're away? You think I'm out in the garden, pining, looking up at the sky? <laughs> Why aren't you here? I gotta leave a day early. Your husband's here. extremely ill. You have to tell me where he was, what he was doing. It was his decision to go in. It's something they termed the shimmer. We've sent in drones and teams of people, but nothing comes back. But something has. The premise of Annihilation is a meteor strikes a lighthouse somewhere on the southern coast of the United States, and it has an anomalous effect on the natural environment surrounding the lighthouse. And that anomaly gradually expands and increases its boundaries into something that they refer to as the Shimmer. So teams of military and scientific personnel are sent into the Shimmer to investigate the anomaly. And no one ever comes back, except for one character, Kane, played by Oscar Isaac, who is the husband of Lena, the character played by Natalie Portman. Kane cannot explain where he was, how he came back, and seems to just be in a complete daze. His health then quickly deteriorates, and he lapses into essentially a coma. So Lena, Natalie Portman's character, who is a professor in cellular biology and wants to find a way to help her husband, volunteers to join the next scientific expedition into the Shimmer being led by Jennifer Jason Lee's character, Dr. Ventress, who is a psychiatrist. The rest of the team is also comprised of women, including a physicist and a geomorphologist, a scientist that studies the evolution of landscapes, and also a paramedic in case they encountered someone who requires medical attention. 
So this new scientific expedition enters the Shimmer, and the majority of the movie is that team's experiences inside the Shimmer. You're a biologist. You served in the military. If I knew what happened, I could save his life. The boundary's getting bigger. It's expanding. We're talking cities, states. You need to know what's inside. So do I. It's beautiful. Check this out. It's like they're stuck in a continuous mutation. Anything interesting in there? No. Sharks have teeth like that. It's not possible. You can't crossbreed different species. What is it? The soldiers on the last expedition. They went crazy. Or something in here killed them. Something's come through the fence. Through the fence? We have to go back. I can't go back. We can camp here tonight. It's destroying everything. It's not destroying. It's making something new. Annihilation is difficult to talk about without giving away what happens in the movie, but all I can say is that I found it rather disappointing. It wasn't a bad movie, but it also wasn't a good movie. It's definitely science fiction. It plays a little bit fast and loose with the science at times, but some of the science is solid and the things that are a little bit off are kind of explained under the umbrella of the implication that the Shimmer may be extraterrestrial in origin and therefore our understanding of science doesn't apply or it's doing something that's beyond our current scientific understanding. The movie is also very trippy and psychedelic at times and also tries to play up a little bit more of the horror aspect of science fiction. And sometimes that works, and sometimes that doesn't. Annihilation actually was based on a novel by the same name, written by Jeff Vandermeer, as part of a three-book series known as the Southern Reach Trilogy. I have not read any of those books, so I can't really compare the movie to the books. Alex Garland, however, has said that his adaptation was more like a memory of the book, and not a direct adaptation of the source material. And with that author's permission, he deliberately took the story of this movie in its own direction. The story of a movie feels a bit underdeveloped to me, and its ending seems rather awkward and abrupt. Alice Garland said he was really embracing the dreamlike quality that he remembered in reading the first novel, and the movie definitely has some of those in the psychedelic, trippy-type aspects I referred to. Annihilation was actually branded one of the biggest theatrical box office bombs of 2018, despite the fact that the critical response was largely positive and there are a lot of good reviews of it online. Overall, like I said earlier, it's not a bad movie, but I definitely wouldn't call it a good movie either. But if you like science fiction, it might be worth at least watching Annihilation. The third and final Alex Garland's work that I'm discussing in this episode, which I found incredibly frustrating, 
was the television miniseries Devs. This is your station. But what am I actually doing here? I'm not going to tell you. Don't worry. You're going to figure it out. The last time I saw him, he was headed toward Devs. And then he disappears. Something bad happened to him. You know what happened to him. If you came for answers, ask me what you don't know. What is Devs? To me, Devs is an uneven but intriguing science fiction thriller television miniseries. It's a little weird, a little creepy. It does have occasional flashes of brilliance in its writing, acting, and cinematography. But overall, I found it to be a very frustrating viewing experience. In fact, if it hadn't been just an eight-episode miniseries, I probably would have stopped watching after episode three. The premise of Devs centers on a quantum computing company called Amaya, run by Forrest, the character played by Nick Offerman. At Amaya, there's a top-secret development project, codenamed Devs, that Sergey, a computer programmer, is selected to become a member of. Sergey's girlfriend, Lily Chan, played by Sonoya Musano, who had roles in the other two Alex Garland works that I talked about earlier, but has a much more expansive role as the female lead of Devs. She again is Sergei's girlfriend, and after Sergei disappears after his first day working on the Devs project, she investigates what happened to him and what exactly is the top secret Devs project. One of my fundamental problems with devs is it is the weakest in the science of science fiction part of the three works of science fiction I discussed in this episode. Like I said earlier, science often takes a backseat to the story and is not really the major driver of most science fiction works, but this one is especially weak. The television series seems to conflate quantum computing and quantum physics, and its discussion of quantum computing is not only incredibly weak, but it never really even goes into anything that you could even really latch onto as a believable plot, especially as far as the central story is concerned. Although the quantum physics aspects of the show are accurate, the application to its storytelling is just a muddled mix of not just physics, but also metaphysics, philosophy, and religion. The underlying story of Devs that is gradually revealed as you go through the miniseries was the thing that I felt apprehension about from the very first episode. I got the strong suspicion that I didn't like where this was going and what the underlying quote-unquote mystery was going to be revealed to be. 
And by the time I got to the end of the miniseries, my suspicions were confirmed. I'm sorry that I can't go into any details because I decided to keep this spoiler-free, but when I got to the conclusion of the miniseries, looking back at the story and looking at what certain characters knew at certain points and the decisions and the choices that they made just didn't really make much sense to me. It was just a disappointing conclusion. One of the most disappointing conclusions to a piece of science fiction that I have seen recently. And that's why devs, it's such a frustrating viewing experience for me. Because as I was watching it, each episode seemed to simultaneously get better and worse. And I almost wish the show was worse. Because if it was a worse show, I would have just stopped watching. But it was good enough to keep me watching, especially since it was only eight episodes. And unfortunately, when I got to the end, I honestly can say I felt like this series wasted my fucking time. But what initially hooked me on the series and kept me watching each of the episodes was that at its core, Devs is an exploration of the philosophical concepts of free will versus determinism. This is the only principle you need to understand. Nothing ever happens without a reason. Everything was determined by something prior. They're fanatics. We need the police. You want to take them down? It's impossible. You knew I was going to come here. The sense that you were participating in life was only ever an illusion. Life is just something we watch unfold. What's inside? Everything. Like I said at the top of the episode, science fiction is definitely my favorite genre. And Alex Garland's science fiction is very often characterized by being very thought-provoking, psychological, and very human-driven. And a lot of his works, including the three that I talked about in this episode, are very good examples of science fiction done mostly well. Like I said, I highly recommend the movie Ex Machina. Although it was disappointing, it's probably worth watching the movie Annihilation. And even though I found devs to be incredibly frustrating, I know that there are some fans of science fiction that will greatly enjoy watching that miniseries. That's it for this Jimmy Sode. Thank you for listening to The Fanboy and the Hater. You can find all of our episodes on all major podcast platforms and players. You can follow us on Twitter 
at Fanboy and Hater, and you can email us at the Fanboy and the Hater at gmail.com.